This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Oscar Edmonton and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Heal. So George Galloway is back after a chaotic and messy by-election in Rochdale. The former Labour MP and left-wing firebrand has won a resounding victory for the Workers' Party of Britain. Katie, could you take us through the results to start with? Yes. So... Ever since Labour had to suspend its candidate for comments about uh, the attack in Israel by Hamas, we had a situation where George Galloway became the bookie's favourite. Of course, he has some form here in terms of winning in by-elections in this type of seat. But I think in the past week or so, there's also been uh, you know, some voices, some pollsters, uh, some Labour figures saying, we still think the suspended Labour candidate might edge it because institutional party knowledge people might just you know because the name Labour was on the form might just tick it poster votes went out early and also there are focus groups at the weekend suggesting that voters cared about domestic issues rather than seeing this as purely as a referendum on Israel Gaza which is what George Galloway has tried to make it that has not come to pass George Galloway has won pretty comfortably he got just under 40 percent of the vote at 12,335 votes it means the seat which did have a Labour majority of about 10,000 now has George Galloway, who is this time standing for the Workers' Party of Britain, with a majority of 5,697. In second place, you did not have the Tories. You had independent candidate David Tully. He had 6,638 votes. The Tories were in third, and Labour came in a dismal fourth place on 2,041 votes. I just think in that vote roundup, it's probably just worth pointing out that the Reform Party, because they got a lot of attention. Simon Danks, another former Labour MP like Galloway, but not enjoying the same level of success. (laughs) Um, He came sixth with 6% of the vote, which I think is pretty disappointing for the Reform Party there and means that they just kept their deposit Mm. and I think I mean I suppose we'll go into the um, different things to take away from this but I think if we can hear now in a clip what George Galloway said on winning it does set the tone for his message to Keir Starmer Keir Starmer this is for Gaza (laughs) and you will pay a high price for the role that you have played in enabling, encouraging, and covering for the catastrophe presently going on in occupied Palestine in the Gaza Strip. And Casey, in your piece on Coffee House this morning, you say that this is the nightmare scenario for Labour. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. I did put this in my piece and then I tweeted it and I had a few people say this is not a nightmare. Actually, Labour, you know, didn't try hard in the seat. They didn't even really have a candidate in the end and therefore they couldn't expect to win. But that's not exactly what I mean by it's a nightmare result. As soon as they had to suspend their candidate, the whole by-election became a nightmare for Labour because it reopened this whole question as about whether the Labour Party has changed in terms of historic claims of anti-Semitism. In this case, it was specific comments about Israel. And Keir Starmer has made probably one of his few big successes 
Obviously, you can say it's a lot of success on current polls, but I think when people say what has brought him there other than Tory mess-ups, it is this idea of a change party. And I think this, this has thrown it a little bit into doubt. And you then had a situation where, because the Labour Party was so scared of George Galloway winning the seat, that was the main factor when they delayed suspending their candidate. That's why... Keir Starmer did not look decisive and he took a few more days and then there were more comments and they felt they had no choice but to effectively not have a candidate in this. So I don't think the takeaway is so much it's a disaster because they came in fourth because there wasn't really a campaign there. And so I think it's a disaster because you have a situation where it's reopened questions for Labour and they now have George Galloway in the House of Commons, someone who is going to be now in the Commons chamber, ready to stoke division, ready to really if you think about the, the divisions on Israel-Palestine within the Labour Party. Keir Starmer got pretty lucky last week. Lindsay Hoyle didn't. Um, when there was supposed to be that opposition day motion by the SNP on calling for a ceasefire, because Lindsay Hoyle under pressure, we're not saying it was necessarily Keir Starmer saying X, but certainly under pressure from Labour, the threats that their MPs were facing, chose to upend tradition against advice and allow a Labour motion to be voted on. And the upshot of that was that Keir Starmer managed to avoid what would have been a very large Labour rebellion and potentially some front bench resignations. But I think what this result does is it just shows he's just not out of the woods on that issue. And then finally, and this is probably the more debatable point, what does it say about votes in a general election. Now, George Galloway has a long history of winning in the by-election and not being able to deliver in the general election. And we've also seen lots to say, and there's pollsters out this morning saying, this result does not suggest that Labour will have a significant problem with the Muslim vote, because of course, Russia has a heavily Muslim community at the general election. But I think at the very least, it's going to make some Labour MPs nervous. We already know figures like Jess Phillip quit the front bench because they felt for their constituents, not calling for a ceasefire meant they weren't representing lots of their constituents. And I think if you think about the various seats, if you were, and this is a big if, but if you were to get, you know, candidates who are running to the left of Labour on these issues, um, you obviously can't, cannot clone George Galloway. But if you were to get some of that, or, you know, this Jeremy Corbyn peace and love party, I'm getting the name slightly wrong, um, t- type thing, what would that do to the vote? Would it take some away? And therefore, you know, I've had one Tory MP this morning, and I, I don't think they're necessarily the majority say this. There is an argument based on this result for going a bit sooner with the election and the year if you can get into these internal Labour divisions. Now, I'm sure lots of pollsters will say that's rubbish for X reason. But I do think you just look at the protest, you look at the level of stress and Labour about their position, and you look at this result, and it's going to make people more nervous. I think it's worth pointing out that for all our criticism on this podcast, there is a, there is an alternative perspective when you speak to Labour figures, which is effectively, it was always going to be a difficult by-election. It was one where George Galloway always had a decent chance. And therefore, in a in a weird way, having a candidate who they had to suspend, then not really running a candidate and therefore a campaign, meant they were shielded from perhaps some trickier questions. Had they had a candidate who was not mild in controversy, ran a really thorough campaign and then came second to George Galloway. Now, I don't think that takes away from the, the current predicament they find themselves in, but I think it's just worth pointing out that there are Labour figures who think that could have been a more difficult outcome in terms of did they mess up on X, whereas here it's so obvious what it was. 
That said, there are plenty of Labour figures who put this down to Keir Starmer's mess-ups. On Israel Gaza comments, we go back to that interview he gave to Nick Ferrari around the time of conference where he talked about, you know, the idea that Israel could defend itself by cutting off water and electricity. And I think, that, you know, as one person put it, another victory for the boys about about the Labour figures who, who are in charge of this. So, so I think it is a very mixed picture in terms of the blame game and what would have been a better or worse scenario. And the question is about the temperature does this turn up or turn down the temperature of the Labour on Gaza? And you look at George Galloway, you look at that victory speech, you look at what he's going to be doing in the House of Commons. He'll be making endless speeches that will go viral on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram. And that is going to, be going to increase the pressure, as Katie says. It may not be people come out and suddenly this huge swing in the polls, but it's the second order consequences. It means, for instance, not sending out people on difficult morning rounds. It means, for instance, people are focused inward, looking at the Labour Party rather than outward taking on the Tories. So there are lots of different consequences. And I think that they may not be immediately obvious. I mean, one thing which someone's really messaged me about is you know, George Galloway had previously floated the idea of standing for Mayor of London. Now, with a House of Commons platform, you can see perhaps how he might be able to attract a bit more of the vote and try and attack um, Steve Khan on the left. What does that mean? Steve Khan might want to then do what he did earlier at the ending of last year when he came out for a ceasefire and that put a bit of pressure on Keir Starmer and try and pander to or focus on his London electorate in a way that could be unhelpful to a national Labour Party. And so this is the whole thing. A whole series of effects will be caused by this. And George Galloway winning, having someone like that in the House of Commons is only going to be a thorn in the side of Keir Starmer uh, in the difficult months to come. Often, I think in Westminster, we can dismiss some of these things, like last week with the motion, etc., with the Speaker. But it almost ended up bringing down the Speaker of the House of Commons. So often quite sort of niche issues do have real consequences. And I think at a time when... Labour are already a little bit vulnerable over after the 28 billion row internally. There were questions going to be asked as Labour heads up to the general election. People are saying, are Labour ready to fight that campaign? Mm. And this was a by-election in which mainstream parties faltered and the smaller parties triumphed. But what about that reform vote? I mean, we've spoken on this podcast a lot about the the sort of headache that reform could cause for the Conservatives at the the next election, Mm. but didn't seem like that last night. No, and what is so striking, of course, is comparing UKIP's performance in by-elections 10 years ago with how reform are doing now. And so last week we had the Wellingborough by-election. At that by-election, the Reform Party only managed to get 13%. UKIP and that general election had done uh, done 20% at that time. Today in the Rochdale by-election, they just got 6%. Nearby, UKIP managed, in Hayward and Middleton, nearly 40%. So reform are really flattering to deceive here. They came sixth. The Tories got twice as much. The Tories, at a time when the Conservatives obviously are really struggling nationally in the polls. So I think that the big questions ought to be asked about reform strategy, the way in which they're going about choosing candidates. And I think that you can contrast that with David Tully, the independent local businessman who came second, uh, just by doing a sort of common sense pitch here and really appealing to none of the above. I think for me that does raise questions. I think actually if you contrast the two leaders, George Galloway versus Richard Tice, George Galloway, obviously we can talk about his politics, but in terms of there is no denying he is a charismatic orator and someone with an eye for the main chance. And I think that is um, very different to how reform has conducted itself in the past few years and recently just shown in the past fortnight or so by how uh, Richard Tice has acted over Lee Anderson, which is on the one hand initially dismissing any chance of defection and then trying to talk it up. And so I think it's really quite baffling. And you look at UKIP's successes, they were good in by-elections and good at talking up defections and both those things the current uh, reform leadership seem to have bodged. 
I think there is a question on reform, which is clearly they can cause problems to the Tory party. But so far, I don't think the by-election results have been matching where they are in the polls. And you look even at Wellingborough, it was not where UKIP was at that point. And I think this result just further just leans into that a bit, which is maybe they don't have the ground game. Whatever it is, something is stopping them from feeling like the threat, I think, in the way the Brexit party or UKIP did still can skim some votes but it just is not you know it does not feel like we're in a world where Rishi Sunit has a bad week and reform become the second party type situation at all. And Katie what about the Conservatives in all this all these headlines do have the uh, may have the tendency to cover up what's been a pretty dismal performance for them? Yeah it's not a great showing for the Conservative Party and I think again it leans into the fact that This was a very strange by-election. As you say, Oscar, it was a lot of independent, smaller parties. It was very messy. You didn't have an official Labour campaign. It's not as though the Tories were fighting it particularly hard either. And therefore, is it a problem for the Tories that they came third, not second? They would want to be the second largest party. It's not great. I still think, though, the mood in CCHQ this morning will be fairly chipper because as much as some are saying, oh, you know, this is damning on Israel Gaza to both Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer's position, politically it's a big problem for Keir Starmer. And given how bad things are for the Tories at the moment, um, I think you you have a situation where they'll probably see a, a glimmer of hope in this result. But I think probably, we talked a lot about the politics, but in terms of, I suppose, the, the more serious question as to does this have any impact on the UK's position on Israel-Palestine? I think in that sense, because you have George Galloway saying, effectively the message he and his supporters were putting out was, Gazans don't have a vote, but you do have a vote in this by-election to send a message to Westminster. I think you know, Labour have already called for a ceasefire. That was the development last week, but it was a caveated ceasefire once you went through the, the very long um, amendment mm. as to what it meant. So I think it probably does put probably further pressure on Keir Starmer to to harden that position and Sumner's party will be doing it. But generally speaking, I think where David Cameron, the foreign secretary is, where the US are and others, is uh, probably um, becoming more of a critical friend of Israel. Having George Galloway alone in the chamber pushing for a much more extreme position, I don't think will massively change the, the general direction, but will certainly make it so more in Labour are pushing for one. Great. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you very much for listening.